only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hello, folks. A long time no see. We are very busy at the moment. We're getting as much out to you as we possibly can as a kind of our, our way of a festive giveaway. We dropped Michael Giacchino earlier and now we bring you Francis O'Connor and Abel Korzanowski who join me to discuss Emily. Francis wrote and directed the film which Abel provided the score for. It's a fictionalised version of the life of Emily Bronte portrayed absolutely to the detail and so brilliantly by Emma Mackey and concentrates on her romantic relationship with the curate William Waitman, for which, in fact, there is no evidence that such a relationship ever occurred. Now, I'm afraid I had a little bit of a mic malfunction, which means I'm only on Zoom quality. But no matter, it's Francis and Abel you want to hear from. So let us begin with one of Abel's gorgeous cues from the movie, The Strange One. to both of you for taking the, the time to come and do the podcast I really appreciate it oh our pleasure no it's so lovely to kind of talk about it we kind of it was kind of the kind of experience where we kind of had to make it happen quickly so it's not actually nice to have a minute isn't it to, to reflect I guess it's yeah. that kind of thing where you thank you there's not not an, uh, an awful lot of opportunities I imagine to kind of get the opportunity to kind of take a breath and then kind of you know talk about the experience Francis, I'm going to start with you if you don't mind. Abel, if that's okay, I'm just going to want to, because I think it'd be lovely for our, our listeners to kind of hear about the, I don't know, when, when you were writing the script, if you had a, if you had a, a, a sound in, in mind. And I know that music played a big part of this film in terms of you did this wonderful thing with your cast where they danced to music every day before, you know, they went on, you know, before they started performing. And where music started, the journey of music started for you on this project. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of grown up with music. Like my mum was a pianist and uh, my sisters, you know, were in orchestra. So I've kind of grown up with music being a big part of my life and a big part of how I, when I write, I always listen to music and, um, you know, the kind of correlation between music and emotion in film. I just love that. And, um, Mm. And so I knew... I wanted, I definitely wanted to have music in it and I knew I wanted to have something that could be delicate but could also be very muscular at times. And I think when Abel and I kind of met that first time, we kind of talked about the idea of 
experience about Emily experiencing different things and that the music kind of uh, reflected that and kind of expressed that as well, you know, very much her her inner life, Mm. I think. Kind of thing were you listening to when you were writing? If you don't mind me asking. Oh my god, so many different things. Abel was no, definitely <laughs> Abel's music. Um, everybody from like, um, I mean, even like things like Radiohead and um, classical music, Beethoven, mm-hmm. Mahler. Um, you know, just different stuff on in the background, stuff that kind of would get you in the mood for writing. I love Bach. So yeah, anything that kind of helps you get in the mood to write, I guess. Because one of the characters in this film is nature, is this landscape, is this place where where they where they live and grow up and, and the land and the sounds of that land as well. They're so intrinsic. I think it's so important to, to the emotion and the story of this. And that must have been interesting in terms of that beautiful marriage between score and sound design. And, and, and Abel, I was I, I'm really interested to hear about your reaction to reading the script and what it was about this project that you you really connected with and why you wanted to to be part of it when you mentioned the 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 landscape i think there is such a so much subdued beauty in this picture that you know it's not uh, something that's incredibly attractive on its face you know it doesn't scream at you it's Mm -hmm. not upfront and yet you have this incredible calming image in front of you that 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 makes you kind of attuned to a different sensitivity and th- this is the, the perfect setup for for Emily Bronte you know that this unsettling mind who mm. who cannot just stay in one place and has to test the boundaries constantly and and at the same time, the social structure is so so rigid and so uh, mundane that it's mm. that it's everything that makes her scream basically. So, so th- th- this was the, the main draw, you know, that this very sophisticated balance between the internal life and what we're allowed to 
to express uh, on the outside. But really, the the scene that absolutely knocked me out the first time I saw the footage was the the what am I playing game, the the parlor game that they that they do in the first first half of the picture, where they uh, you know they just w- were a mask and people are trying to uh, trying to guess who is this person behind the mask and once emily takes it suddenly the film you know gets off its wheels you know because <laughs> because we we cross this moment of make believe is it still just acting or have we just crossed into supernatural and i th- i think this to me was such a concentration of what film as an art form uh, can do in terms of you know playing with with acting but you know the 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 lead is actually incapacitated by wearing a mask right so she she doesn't even have a face just her voice and we see everything we, we see emotionally is reflected on the faces of their uh, of her uh, co-stars so it's you know it's uh, to, to to me it was just mind uh, boggling how how beautiful it was and how expressing the idea of imaginary life being so vivid and strong that you know it it, it basically could be more than than the real real yeah. thing I mean, what, I think what was interesting about that scene in terms of music is that originally when we cut it, we were just going to kind of do it with sound. And then at a certain point I thought, I wonder what it's like with a little bit of music. <laughs> so we kind of like tried some different things and I thought you don't want to kind of like, sometimes you don't want to help the audience too much, yeah. I think. But um, it just felt right that there should be something there. And I remember the first time, because um, this is my first time through the process as a as a director to kind of work with, a composer. So I remember when Abel said, oh, I've written something for the mass scene and then just hearing it, I teared up instantly, you know, because it was just so moving and so beautiful. And that, that really didn't change at all, I don't think, during the process. It was just kind of pitch perfect. Yeah, I think Abel really, under- you really understood what that, that scene was. So, and it just, it also just kind of elevated it again once the music comes in. composing for that that particular scene Abel was there are there certain you know the 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 score across the film there's got to be kind of fluidity between it sonically sort of thing and you know and we see these kind of 
these different moments of Emily, you know, another scene that I absolutely adore is that is the scene with her brother with the when she's hanging out the washing and that kind of you know that's absolutely stunning. And there's kind of it's the kind of light and shade of the character and the journey the character's making, but also the journey that the music's making. And was it really obvious for you or the journey that you went on in terms of the instrumentation and how big or how small the the kind of the melodies and the the, the score needed to be? The, the score has a very particular place in in the story, and and I think when Francis, when when you talk about the the mask scene, had it been a purely realistic social drama film, then uh, this kind of score could could have been too much at times, right? If if we if we talk about pure uh, realism and, and a naturalistic view. So, so, so my thinking was that if we try to restrict music to kind of period appropriate, like the society, we would be really just just painting with the same brush and having not really contributing to uh, to, to to how to tell the audience that what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, I think the the beauty of this arrangement is that with with Emma's incredible performance that, you know, she, she, she has on her face so much. And when she's angry, and when, when sometimes it, it, it's like, like a child, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't like new people, you know, and it's, it's just wonderful. But, but, but the point is that she was still much more and to get the insight to her inside imagination, this really gave us a reason to to go with score much more than than we would have otherwise because you know we 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 have those uh, elements of church organ uh, in the score which kind of g- g- gives us this connection to her cultural background you know mm-hmm. that she's uh, properly religious and everything and and she would like to to be accepted and and follow the rules she just she just can't But at the same time, we have all those wild, wilder elements in the score, like very aggressive violins, which, which at times are just like hitting the strings in a very sharp way. Mm. The, the, the scene when Emily tries drugs, for example, right? We we have her a sh- a close up of her iris, and and then the sound is both trembling and and on top of that we have this element of of sharp uh, violin hits
So this was a way to to give us a sense of how extraordinary this character was. And obviously, parts of the score, uh, there are parts of the score which connect more with the with the period, and we we have a lot of neo-romantic uh, feeling and beautiful piano performances, which, by the way, I have to plug in the, the wonderful uh, Shimon Nering, who, uh, who was a finalist of the Chopin competition. And we, we looked, yeah, so we, we looked really long to, to find somebody of his sta- statue, you know, of his um, mm-hmm. skill to perform the score because we we needed to have something real not just just a pianist we we had to have a performer and uh yeah i i lost my train of thought right no i just think yeah. what was great about him was he was so um expressive we like we went to poland on the 27th of december and um we we were very lucky we had this fantastic recording studio it was quite it was, it, it it was um what, we what, had christmas trees inside remember? and we had yeah the orchestra wow. was surrounded they still had the christmas trees up but they'd taken all the decorations so it looked like the orchestra were performing in a forest <laughs> it looked it was <laughs> very very fitting this pianist was just incredible this young guy how old was he able like 26 or something uh, yeah yeah i i think this that's right that's such a beautiful energy to him and he uh he just played so so expressively and with such feeling so um and i think that really helped for those and and for him this was actually probably his first uh, recording of a film score because he's he's uh, a concert pianist you know this is this is how he uh, performs and you know suddenly we we threw at him a, a recording with a click track with you know playing different takes, giving him, well, giving him notes, yes. right? How, how to play. Uh, but 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 it was it was great to to collaborate with uh, this level of artistry. the other thing was um which i thought was just so great was when abel kind of had suggested this idea of using um choir the uh, kind of a young choir for these young voices that also kind of expresses emily's inner life and that we uh that abel kind of peppered through the score and i just think it was so inventive and fantastic and they even sang some lyrics from uh, one of emily's poems when as they're running in the rain and i remember the first time i kind of saw that sample i was like what but it so worked. It was just there was something about it that was so unique and and perfect for for that moment. So yeah. The, again, the 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 austerity 
of the landscape, right? Comparing with this overblown score, which, you know, like... <laughs> kind of like youth kind Absolutely of... inappropriate, but expressing her, you know, this is this is how she was. Yeah. And also that kind of fantasy world that she has of like being in her imagination as well. Mm. Like that's the inner, her inner soundtrack, I guess. because it feels like everything kind of really resonated around her you know in terms of the piano obviously you know she, she plays the piano and, and and all those kind of different elements they've all got a connection to to the character whether that's an emotive connection or whether it's a physical connection as well and I love that you commented about um, Emma Abel because you know Francis knows how blown away I was by her performance I just think she's extraordinary Um, and I was gonna I wanted to ask whether Emma's performance you know kind of how much that inspired and influenced what you can you know what you wrote well all of it (laughs) absolutely you know I I think with it continues to be the, the main source of inspiration when I watch the acting and and see you know what's what's un- underneath the skin and mm. how, how how those emotions can be sometimes amplified with with the score so once i uh, i remember the, the the first impression of of emma's performance it, it, it was just sparkles you know it, just you know uh, fire and and i hadn't known her at the time i had known uh, sex education, for example, mm-hmm. so I uh, made sure I wouldn't watch it until we were finished with the movie <laughs> because I I didn't want to see her as someone else, you know. So 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 throughout throughout the the project, uh, Emma was only Emily to me, and and this is how how I kind of was learning her how she how she becomes how she breathes and and everything so uh, yeah the, the, this is the inspiration
is a slightly awkward question to ask with Abel being here, but I wanted to ask Francis if there was a particular piece of Abel's work or a project that was the thing that made you go, this is who I really would love to, you know, to, to do the music for. My- I, I've loved Abel's music for so long. So, um, and um, I knew I kind of wanted to send it to him and I was just I waited till we got the cut really as good as I felt like within the time constraints because people are like, you need to pick a composer. But I waited until the cut was really strong and then I just sent it to him. And we just got very lucky that Abel, I think because of the pandemic, a project had shifted. So he suddenly had a piece of time free. Mm. So we just got very lucky, I think, with with Abel, Abel's availability. But um, I just, I love how the music that Abel writes is so different for every film. You know, like every score has its own character and then also his scores are are so full of emotion Mm. and and yet there's a kind of eloquence to Abel's work, I think. Sorry if I embarrassed you. It's the awkward bit over now. You may keep going, you know. (laughs) No, really, when when Abel said he was going to do the film, we were just over the moon because I knew the score needed someone kind of virtuoso who could really take this story and 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 hold it with the music and that just requires you know somebody uh, of great skill so yeah uh so yeah we got very lucky if i if i may it is quite quite rare rare for a, for a director to to actually to even attempt to have a score like this uh which basically goes beyond just working in the very backgrounds. So yeah. this was one of the elements that really draw me to to the picture because I saw that, that wow, that Francis is really not afraid to actually and, and understand how music can be used efficiently and, you know, not take away anything from acting. You know, they... The, the, they shine when they need to, and score doesn't really need to amplify any of this or or fix any of this. But but there are just moments where uh, music can kind of transport us into a different a different reality, like yeah. like the scene uh, when Emily talks through the uh, sheets uh, with yeah. with Branwell, I love that which, score. I love which, which is one you know, of my favorites. Yeah, you know, it's it's so so poetic. The, the 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 whole image from the purely, if you if you look at this as a as an idea, you know, a direction. It's it's so poignant the the way it's happening, and and there's so much poetry in this, and you know, it's. We just and and music doesn't doesn't work there as kind of underscore reacting to her to their movements or or something. Mm-hmm. It is it, just like a piece of their reality which kind of flows with them and and is pliable and gently coexists with them.
so I, I, w- I was really surprised, you know, that to see uh, so many scenes that already had music kind of written in them on the uh, script level. I think this is the this is a time where Francis, we talk about you for a second, because I think that the choices that you've made in this film across the board, you know, with with so many things, you know, in the edit, with the shots, with your casting, with your with the score, I think it's such an accomplished piece of work. I think that the decision to to write this version of Emily, the decision, you know, all of those decisions that you've made as a director, it's crazy to think that this is your first feature film because it is so accomplished and it's so powerful. I think it's, I think you've just made a, yeah, the choices that you've made are absolutely brilliant. Abel being one of them. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good choice, I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, it felt like a breath of fresh air and it also felt, it feels so exciting as well to kind of see and, and and enjoy your journey as a as a director from from this point on because this being your first it's like wow oh thank you thank you I really really appreciate that yeah I'm just interested in in cinematic storytelling that is like that is emotional and moving and exciting and that doesn't necessarily have to mean it, it it's a marvel film and it's like a hundred million dollar film you can make something that's exciting and emotional that's personal a little but that feels universal and big all at the same time so that it's it can it can be as exciting an experience as a big kind of hollywood film but it mm. it's it's it speaks to the audience in in a way that's that's also kind of uh i don't know satisfying i guess yeah i'm just in love with making films after making this one i just want to good <laughs> <laughs> And um, Abel, that scene that you talked about though with the, the sheep where they kind of, you know, they don't sort of, you know, don't want to see each other. And it's it's heartbreaking. It's kind of I was I was in bits watching that scene. And it's so just, you know, even as a standalone, it would almost be the most, a gorgeous short film in a way, just that scene, because it's so there's so much in it. Yeah, it's kind of it's almost so simple in a way, which I know it wasn't. What you've created in that one scene in itself is just kind of pretty extraordinary. I think that's just like one of my favourite scenes in the script. And, again, it was just one of those scenes that how I saw it in my imagination, it got realised on every level. Like, you know, some scenes you think, okay, that's almost what I wrote. And, but and you know, like just because of the way things go, but that scene in particular was exactly how I saw it in my imagination. Even like the way the wind blew the sheets and you could see the hills in the background and then this beautiful music coming in that was also kind of like, undulating like the wind I think just got very and then the performances too of Emma and and Finn that day with they were just so on with them you know they were when Emma sings as well Abel I was I was interested to 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 just ask you about her voice her singing voice you know in that scene where she's singing the hymn and whether you kind of that kind of inspired anything because we obviously there are voices within the the scores as Francis has talked about actually and I just wondered whether that kind of tonality of horror or anything within that was was an inspiration well i i don't really dissect a personality like this that yeah, i yeah. you know i i don't notice her voice separately mm-hmm. and, and to me it's just hard not to uh take her uh, as a whole and it, yeah. you know to 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 me it's really more about how she responds physically as a whole I, I remember 
the scene when uh, when she, she she already has this grave argument with Waitman, and he tells her that you know that basically there's something evil in her and screams at her and and she has this bounces back and you know the, the, these are moments that that are so precious in films because they they're actually the, 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 they are genuine uh, they make us feel to the bones there's so so much so many of these moments uh, that make uh, Emily precious and and that make Francis that that you just uh, brought them uh, brought those performances and obviously were so, so attuned to to look for them and it's amazing. Mm. Before we finish, we're on our time. Sorry, the band that the the, the cast danced to um, on a <laughs> daily basis. What kind of what kind of music were they playing? I'm so like jealous about their morning dance. Oh, dance yeah, sessions. and they had they had a dance instructor who kind of oh. was doing like routines and different things. So drums. And uh, they had, like, I think, like, I don't want to say bongo drums, but, you know, the big, mm-hmm. is that a bongo? I don't know. Bongos. And then um, bongos and a guitar. And there was a piano there as well. So I think they mixed it up. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Well, I kind of let them have their moment by themselves when they would dance every morning. So, uh, yeah, it sounded like they were having fun. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect start to the day. Yeah. Definitely. We should all be doing that, I think. Yeah. Post-pandemic. Think- <laughs> definitely sign me up please I, I think you could tell I, I love the film and I, I am genuinely excited about you know what, what you do next and I hope this is a you know it's a clearly a, a very powerful collaboration between the two of you so I hope we see that oh. continue down the line as well and I thank yeah. you so much for your time love it. pleasure no pleasure and it was also just such a pleasure working with Abel it was very special yeah likewise Francis yeah. as well oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Abel. Thank you, Francis. Take care. Pleasure to see you again. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you. From the score to Emily, that Rondo 3 rounding off this latest episode of Soundtrack with Francis O'Connor and Abel Korzanowski. My huge thanks to Abel and Francis for taking the time to talk to us. Emily is still in cinemas now. Please do try and seek it out if you can and also available to buy on home-ends formats. 
As I said, we're releasing extra episodes over the Christmas period, so make sure you head to edithbowman.com to subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're at Soundtracking UK and feel free to send me an email, info at edithbowman.com. Next up is the fabulous Alejandro Gonzalez Iñarito to talk about Bardo, False Chronicles of a Handful of Truths. That's coming this Friday and I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.